everyone, and welcome to the Sweet Tea Series. I'm your host and creative director at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Taylor Dawson. We're bringing you the straight talk you crave on all things policy, family, work, and what it means to be a woman today. This podcast is for all the strong, principled, fiercely intelligent women out there who aren't afraid to spill the tea and challenge the status quo. So grab your cup, cozy up, and let's dive into the conversations that matter most. We'll be talking with Julie Warren. She is the deputy director of Right on Crime here at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Julie, tell us a little about about yourself. I am from West Virginia, which I think is very noticeable um, from the accent. Um, I'm from Appalachia area <laughs> and was born and raised in Huntington, West Virginia. I have a question. Yeah. Is it Appalachian or Appalachia? That's a good question because it's very mixed. Mm-hmm. My mom says Appalachian and I say Appalachian. So what, do, what do the people in the area do? Well, we're Appalachian. Yeah. We, it's, it's, there's a civil war. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's, there's no consensus. There's no consensus. So it's very odd. But I grew up in a small town. Uh, my mom was a kindergarten teacher. My dad was a Baptist pastor. And they really empowered me to learn and grow and dream and chase and be ambitious and and be strong. And, and that's really what gave me the foundation to not be. To, to, to leave West Virginia, it's a scary place, you know, I mean, to, to leave, you know, something so small and insulated to, to go to the big bad world of Washington, D.C., but they gave me the foundation and the confidence to do it. So that just sent me onto the trajectory. And now I'm in Austin, Texas, yeah. and here talking to y'all. Yeah, it's interesting you say it like small town. So I was raised in like a like a south dallas area and everyone just kind of became teachers or nurses and that was like no female was ever really like challenged to like step beyond you know the status quo of just like you know this is what chicks do you're gonna get married you're gonna do this and you know just here's your trajectory but it sounds like you because you're a lawyer now Mm -hmm. and you worked in all these amazing and with all these amazing opportunities um how how was your foundation growing up in a rural area inspired to like just leave and not be a teacher or nurse? Not that those aren't amazing jobs. It's just it was something that stepped out of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it's an amazing job if that's what you want to do. Right. But if you're told that's the only thing you can do and you're limited to something, no matter what that r- job is, that's it's not allowing that person to fulfill their purpose. Mm-hmm. And I had a dad that just really believed in me mm-hmm. and demanded that I believe in myself. I love it. And he just did not allow me to place limits on myself. And he never allowed me to say, well, because I'm a girl, I can't. Mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, you know, and it, it, it was interesting because I have a, an older sister, so he had two girls. <laughs> and he would be like, girls, stay up and watch Monday Night Football with me. I mean, it, we didn't have to if we didn't want to, but he didn't say, I'm going to assume because you're girls, you're not going to want to watch football with right. me. Yeah. He just allowed us to explore all the things that we were interested in and didn't limit us. And my mom is the same way. My mom is a strong woman. She just kind of exhibited it in her own life and mm-hmm. how she just functioned her strength but my dad just did not allow us to box ourselves in and limit our potential and as I grew I just chased opportunities I didn't 
they were scary. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of a safety net by way of, you know, family wealth. Oh, and a I lot totally of get that 100%. But I think that my dad was and my mom and, 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 the, and, the, and you know, I was grew up in a strong Christian family. So they're like, if God has a, a plan for you. Don't limit yourself. Yeah. Because don't don't place limits on yourself. Just chase them and do the right thing. And that's what I've just been doing. And now I'm 44 years old, just so still doing that. Love it. So you went to college. Yes. Went to college at Marshall University, in my hometown because it was what my family could afford. But it, it was a gr- I I it gave me all the education I needed. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Um, I didn't get gypped in any way. It gave me if I wanted the education, it was there to give me the tools necessary to go to the next level. And it did. Mm-hmm. And so um, then I went on to, to law school in D.C. and did all that D.C., you know, thing that people do when they're trying to chase a political career yep. and policy career. And um, it was a blast. That's I had awesome. so much fun. That's awesome. So you shared with us or you sh- you've shared with me like this really cool story um, of when you were at the courts is was it in dc yeah it was in the eastern district of alex um, virginia it's alexandria virginia right yeah. which is like for anyone who doesn't know is super like a stone's throw away from washington dc yeah um and so yeah tell us about that story because it sounded like it was really impactful for you yeah well i think that it was humbling and i think that sometimes when you're really a go-getter and you're 25 years old and you're giving you're getting opportunities and you're just chasing them yeah. sometimes though it is always important to be humbled a little bit and to maintain some p- context and perspective mm-hmm. and i was given this opportunity to be um, a special assistant u.s attorney in alexandria i was really like 25 26 and it was a lot of responsibility and I think I got a little cocky and I think I do think that prosecutors and folks with a lot of power mm-hmm. can easily not think about the object of um, the consequences, the real human consequences to their wielding it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of fell into that really quickly and went into um to do a sentencing because there was a prosecutor who had handled the underlying case. The individual had pled. And so I was handling the sentencing portion. I don't know if he was going on vacation. I can't remember the whole backstory. But I'd never met the defendant. Well, at this point, he was a convicted felon. I had never met him. Um, He was just a pre-sentence report. So he was just his life on paper Mm -hmm. was what I knew. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that he had ever done in his life um so so you're this like 25 year old you're in office this case gets dropped in your lap and all you do is have a rap sheet of him from like 18 to where he is now of just right. all the wrong things that he's done right. all the convictions he's had right and it set him up for like okay so what your sentencing guidelines are going to be so it was like i think it was if i remember correctly 20 to 35 years mm-hmm. based on his pre-sentence report and the guidelines set are set in law and then you know as the prosecutor we were told to go in and always ask for the high end of the guidelines that's what you do just yeah. wield the hammer as hard or swing it as hard as you can mm-hmm. um and that's what I went in and did. And I kind of went in cocky with um, this sort of this sense of um, like I'm, I'm wearing the white hat. I'm the one doing the right thing with a little bit of self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And this individual comes in to the courtroom. It's the first time I ever laid eyes on him. He's really like maybe 23. He's in my, in my age group. Right. And he looks like he's 12. And he is so scared. Oh. I mean, he's shaking. You know, because now things have gotten very real. Mm-hmm. And 
I saw him and I just could not take my eyes off of him. And I remember thinking, this is a human being. Mm -hmm. And I started to really question, okay, so I got to go ask for the high end of the guidelines. So I go up to the, you know, podium, Julie Warren for the United States. And and I asked for the high end of the guidelines based on his pre-sentence report. The judge, who was just an older, wise, but very tough judge, mm -hmm. he was always known for being extraordinarily tough. He started, he said, thank you, ma'am, sit down. <laughs> um, and I sat there and listened while he actually got to know the man mm. and, and, and got to understand the humanity and the process by which all of us had kind of the, the system itself had failed. Mm -hmm. So this was a young boy who, as a, I think his mother had died, his father was in jail, his brother was in jail, he'd gone into foster care, and the system just just like tossed him around, yeah. then expected a good outcome. Mm. And during the course of his you know juvenile career and crime, they never really gave him help. Mm -hmm. And I'm not making excuses. He he committed a criminal act, and a criminal consequence needs to be taken. needs to take place. Mm -hmm. But the, if the if the criminal justice system doesn't see the human being that they're dealing with, right. then they're never going to get the outcome. But what they're going to get is someone who started out with small time crime, and then all of a sudden graduates to where you have a a, a human victim. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not like you start at something really small, and then you just go to something extreme. It's a buildup, and so that leads us into where you work now, right? on crime mm -hmm. can you just give like a brief explanation for the audience of like what that is so it is a um, campaign of the texas public policy foundation it's a national campaign we're in 14 states and expanding into more states and what we try to go in and do is help lawmakers stakeholders understand what good criminal justice policy looks like. Mm. Um, you know, you have the folks on the left who are really diminishing the idea of accountability having any role in the criminal justice system, and that's insane. That's irresponsible. Um, right on Cry would never um, diminish the importance of accountability. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a human victim, they demand and they deserve justice. And, and, and that only comes with accountability. You just can't be like, I feel sorry for you. Don't go, go and don't do that again. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a need for redemption because if you don't work on redeeming that individual away from a life of crime, mm -hmm. all you're getting is someone who is going to be constantly graduating to different levels of crime, mm -hmm. which is what I had in that courtroom that right. day. And I went from that role to the West Virginia Attorney General's office where I did a lot of work with the Solicitor General and in the criminal appellate work. And when the West Virginia Attorney General's office gets a criminal case, it's usually a pretty violent case. And it's usually something we're taking to the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. West Virginia Supreme Court or the Fourth Circuit. And you get these big court cases and court files where you get to see how an individual went from something, some a juvenile, to just absolutely devolving into something where now they're just in it. Yeah, and yeah, now and now they're numb, and now people are going to be hurt, and 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 you just see, man, if we could just get it right earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but that takes a, a takes a focus on redemption, and that's not soft on crime. 
It's right on crime. It's right on crime. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, talking about like both your, your experience with public safety and that story, I know that's not the only piece of, of your past that actually influenced that for you. But just to real quick introduce myself, my name is Ariana. I'm one of the videographers here. Um, and yeah, the Right on Crime initiative, I think, takes a look at uh, the criminal justice system in a way that's both different than the left and the right in the country have taken in the past because it prioritizes public safety and it does that by focusing on the people in the system as well as um, how they impact their communities. And um, I'd like you to share the story um, a little bit about your dad and how that's influenced uh, this as well. Well, it's interesting because, so when I worked at the Department of Justice, my dad understood what I did for a living. Mm -hmm. When I worked in the Attorney General's office, my dad understood what I did for a living. Um, when I came to write on crime, he's like, I have no idea what it is. You do. I'm proud of you, but I don't understand it. Um, so my parents actually moved to Nashville. I live in Nashville. So they um, moved to Nashville. And they, my dad, who was a retired pastor, really still wanted to have an impact in the world because he was retired. It didn't mean he didn't still have a calling and a purpose. And he started um, volunteering on a, on a, with a ministry that Right on Crime actually has partnered with for quite a few years called Men of Valor. And they actually work with men in prison and help them transition into the real world mm. and that and some of these you think okay so when you think about 95 percent of people who are in prison will be released what condition do you want them to be released mm -hmm. do you want them redeemed or not it, it's much it's a much better for public safety if they come out better than they did they are when they come in yeah right so Men of Valor really focuses on that but it is a christian ministry and my dad has started to volunteer and doing a Bible study twice a week with these men. And he loves it. And it's like 15, um, he's had a guy in his in his class that was in prison for murder. My and my goodness. dad's like, I love the guy. Wow. He's changed. I mean, he did his time and he needed to do his time. Yeah. But you could see God did not give up on this mm -hmm. guy. And this guy has a purpose and a meaning for his existence. And he's and and so my dad just is like Julie. I get what you do now. Even though I know you're not doing it from the spiritual aspect. Right. I mean, I'm not doing a ministry. I'm in public policy. He's like, I understand that if these guys don't change, they go back to the life that caused them to jeopardize public safety. That's destabilized their homes. That destabilized their communities and destabilized them. Yeah. And now I get it. And it's not. It makes just perfect sense because I'm watching these people change and I'm getting to know them and the human being, not just the statistic mm -hmm. or the headline. Mm -hmm. And I think that can we can segue into the policy pulse kind mm -hmm. of with this. So sometimes we'll be talking about a news story that has to do with um, with what you're doing. But I think I'd actually love to hear about um, a bit what Right on Crime has been doing, um, going to different areas of the country and um, sp talking more about what what life looks like for people whenever they leave the, the prison system. Well, it's, it's it's one challenge after another. So, you know, Alice Johnson, Alice Marie Johnson, who a lot of you might have heard of, she was pardoned by um, President Donald Trump. Is this the one that like Kim Kardashian was involved yes. in? And okay. yes, yes, yes. And she actually worked with TPPF for a, a couple of years. And so we have this great relationship with her. She was in prison for, I might, I might get this right, but around 25 years. Oh my gosh. So just imagine what, the world changed in 25 years. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, you know, talking to um, um, Matthew Charles, who was the first individual released under the First Step Act, 
He didn't know what, I mean, he had never had to use a cell phone before. Interesting. Internet. So literally technology has changed. I guess that's not something you usually think about with, a ton. with Correct. Yeah. yeah. So the world had changed. And so, so often when you're released from prison, it typically happens, I don't think a lot of people realize this, they usually drop you off at a bus station around midnight and they give you $100. Now, unless you have someone who's going to be picking you up. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, that so that's you're just like. released into the world. Now, if you're released on parole, then you'll be given a parole um, officer to check in with. But you're told you got to get a job. Mm. You got to have a ha- housing, but you got to be in a house, in a housing situation that doesn't have you housed next to other felons. And then you have all of these landlords and you know different opportunities who are that are closed to people with with any kind of record. So finding something as simple as just a place to rent is sometimes very difficult. Men of Valor is very helpful because they help provide transitional housing. So, you know, there's a place for them to go. There's a place to land Mm -hmm. that isn't back into the life that they left to go back into prison. You know, the the gang ridden area or the abusive home or the the, the drug addict brother who you'll go in and you have drug problems yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. so it, it gives you some a safe space. But that's without that, you're a your 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 chances of good outcomes by way of having someone not commit another crime or you're you're hurting yourself from a policy standpoint um we have all of these obstacles for people getting a job um but we also make it a condition on employment a condition for per, per release for them to have one. Yeah. And it really, one of the things that I think Right on Crime has done a great job is really educating lawmakers as to the regulatory schemes and um, impact and prohibitions around occupational licensing for folks with criminal records. So, and what's what's occupational licensing? So like having a cosmetology license. Okay, a, so just like something as simple as like doing hair. Yeah, so what's... And the irony is that a lot of these types of skills we train in prison. So we one of the most robust skills training is cosmetology and is barbering. Mm. And you can give someone all the training while they're in prison, give them the an actual certificate to show that they'd had the training. And when they go apply for a license, once they're released, reject it because they have a criminal record. So that's, wow. and, and when you talk to lawmakers yeah. about that, they're like, Hold on, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. We should want them to get the job and get the employment and to be able to pay for their homes and mm-hmm. be able to pay taxes and do those things. So that was one area where I think right on crime, using our common sense, using our conservative principles, because, mm-hmm. you know, having access to the market and having access to use your skills to get a job is something that Republicans should be fighting harder than anyone in the country. Yeah. And when you say, okay, you're going to fight for that, but not for those with a criminal record, explain that. Yeah, it doesn't And it, like you said, it could be a matter of public safety when what happens to all these people who are eventually released from prison if there's nothing for them to do or where anywhere to go. Yeah, and and here's the here's the perfect example of why redemption isn't soft on crime. So for the most part in America, we have about a 55% recidivism rate. That means recidivism means means they reoffend. So it means 
it means within three years, someone leaving prison reoffends. So 55% of those leaving prison will reoffend in less than three years. So if I go out and, you know, I, well, what's a federal thing? Whatever. I steal something yep. from a store and I get thrown in jail and then I get out. I have a 55% chance of going back in and taking something again. Or doing or any, or, or committing any crime, finding yourself back in prison. Um, whether it's because you're on probation and you violate a condition of your probation or you do commit another crime. Let's say, you know, you um, have uh, a history of drug crime and you go back into selling drugs again, yeah. you know, whatever, because you couldn't find another job. So in America, 55 percent um, reoffense rate. That's a 55 percent fail rate. Mm, okay? Is that a lot higher than other than other places um, in, in other countries mm -hmm. oh yes but for instance but men of valor you know what their recidivism rate is what is it 15. wow so you they're focused on redemption and saying okay we're going to invest in you as a person um because you because 95 percent of the folks are going to be released mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do you want them to reoffend or not and, and and the idea that focusing on redemption is soft on crime is insane yeah it shows a lot of ignorance yeah it shows that you're focused on a criminal justice system that allows you to be angry but it doesn't allow you to get any good outcome as a result of your anger yeah yeah so you mentioned you mentioned alice johnson right mm -hmm. with the kim kardashian yeah. and as you said that i was like mm, isn't kim getting her law degree right now she is. or you know i, I uh, do keep up with that so you keep up <laughs> with that kardashian. <laughs> it's my uh, it's my little what is it like guilty pleasure just like i secretly will like you grab like a she has like 300 million twitter or instagram followers i think i don't i think you're in the like she's been on I'm my in the norm. youtube like um on the shorts every single day so i've <laughs> really into it as well okay yeah. good yeah. i'm not no, the, you're only not one. the only one yeah. so that that's a good segue into our next segment uh pop cultures with principles okay um so a story that caught your eye recently we heard you know taylor swift's Eras tour is happening. Yeah, I've heard something about the Eras tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's so huge. Like I do so. not think you can escape seeing. She took every over Nashville show. for like four days. She, yeah. I think she's the first. I mean, fact check me here, but like I think that she's the first. This is the first tour to gross like over a billion dollars. I would not be surprised. Like, I think you might be right. I think it was. I'm trying to remember who it was that had grossed higher from her at a concert night before, and then she just broke that. I think it was Madonna, but I'm not sure. I love that she broke Madonna. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was I think Madonna. that's such a great. Yeah. But you, you actually like live in Tennessee, so you saw yes. that. Or how was it for everyone there when this? Oh, was it was just all Taylor all the time. <laughs> oh me? Oh, do I think she stole part of my identity a little bit? Yeah. I mean, tall, the blonde hair. Yeah, I mean, if you got, I mean, Taylor. Look, I mean, <laughs> Taylor she's, the name. She's she's an impressive talent and she's yeah. an impressive businesswoman and she's handled herself with an extraordinary sense of savvy that whether you like her music or not you if you don't respect that means i don't either you're not paying attention or maybe there's something wrong with your worldview i mean you have to, because i mean the what she is i'm not even a taylor swift like music fan but just her showmanship and what she's done like on stage with this tour 
I don't think you can't like you can't leave that being unimpressed. I mean, she is versus- a boss, man. I love yeah. it. So specifically, her the Taylor Swift "Speak Now" better than "Revenge." Yeah, that song. So she had to rewrite it. I don't know if the audience is aware of this, but like had to yeah. re had to rewrite it. Her hit because it was quote not being a good feminist right due to her slut shaming yeah and what's happening she's like re-releasing all of her music or did you know that background part taylor of how she's like re-releasing all of her stuff because of like the record deal she had again an impressive thing right but, but with like, her new one yeah she had to rewrite her lyric yeah so i mean this was a lyric and i'm, I'm not going to remember the lyric correctly um but i don't know that that's as, as important so it was in a lyric from t- 2010 mm-hmm. she's releasing it well i don't know how old she would have been like tw- 19 18 19 now she's just a 33 year old woman releasing these this 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 music and when i remember when she um came out with that song i don't i don't remember i remember like not paying that much attention and still hearing about the criticism because there was this sense that um she's suggesting that this individual who she's referring to in the in the lyric gets the attention and gets her way by using her sexuality okay so the girl in the song is getting the attention well by she's using. targeting there's certain clearly there's somebody there's certainly there's some girl taylor swift mad at yeah and yeah, this lyric yeah. is directed at her but we don't know who she is sure. but she's she's commenting on the idea that this girl is getting attention and moving forward based on her sexuality and taylor swift's criticizing of that is making her a bad feminist and a slut shamer because and that's a really good question because what i mean that and i think that's the real i don't know that that's a fair criticism at all because like what is a good feminist like that you just get to walk around however you want wearing clothes and you get to be a sex worker so like you have to just support okay a good feminist is us saying you can do anything you want Right. No, that I mean, there is there is a like there's such a thing as virtue for everyone. Like we can criticize like bad behavior or like or less less desirable behavior from anyone. That doesn't matter. Yeah, and and, or not. and and so like I think the, the underlying premise of this story. I don't know if there's any truth to it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but there was an I, the sense of, of of a girl taking away her boyfriend mm-hmm. and using her you know sexuality to do it to 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 allure him away because you know maybe she wasn't she would do things that taylor wouldn't do Mm -hmm. you know or or whoever the other person other character in the song and to criticize that is to be a bad feminist because to be a bad feminist is to be able to do what anything you want without consequence so taylor was attacked because she was essentially attacking another girl in her song and so she eventually she being taylor eventually rewrote the song so that she's not demeaning this girl because that was not very feminist yeah because she she was she she was uh, she was being a bad feminist i don't know if taylor swift actually bought into that criticism or if she's doing so much in her career, she's got this Eras tour, she has this relaunch yeah. that she's just like, look, it's not worth the conversation mm-hmm. and I don't want the distraction, so I'll just change it. Okay, calm down. And yeah. that was so many years ago that she might also just be kind of over the, yeah, I'm the, over the incident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's like, it's not a battle, I'm gonna fight. But I think it just, it, the com- what, it doesn't really bother me that she changed the lyric because again, she just probably was just trying to like, 
do with find the path of least resistance and she probably doesn't care enough to fight sure. for it but and i get that but my problem is is just like is that what feminism is now it's just this you can't criticize anyone's bad choices mm -hmm. even regardless of the consequence and the families that it could in the and the in the in the and the destruction yeah I, I just think that that's just a real i don't think we're doing women any justice by by saying that applying any standard or virtue is 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 wrong mm -hmm. i think i, I think, think it i think we makes should you strive for less if anything I, it really yeah. does i mean it, and i think that it, i don't know i i just felt like it was it was a poor representation of what young girls should hold out is how we should be treating other women yeah and then you wonder it's like okay who's the one like making this claim is it like a really small minority that's just very loud or is it like all of her fans are saying this is bad i mean i just feel like with media in general you're yeah, you going to get really yeah you never right. yeah you never really know where the critique is coming from specifically and with social media being like an echo chamber you know a small segment of the society can just be prolific online and make someone as huge as taylor swift completely change their lyrics in a song to say something else um which is just crazy to me and i know right on crime has their fingers in so many different areas and um which is great do you want to shoot us off on the final segment the conservative, the conservative council, council? Sure, we can. We actually have a uh, question today from okay. a girl named Caitlin from Waco. And uh, right now she's getting her, uh, she said that she's um, getting her uh, her degree and she wants to know how to continue to, sorry, she wants to know how to, um, how to continue to pursue her career and be feminine without also fall, without falling into the extremist feminist uh, trap that's out there. You know, I don't really understand why women feel like they need to I what the feminist trap is like do they need to try to be like a man you know do they need to, to, to not be embrace being a woman and say I love the color pink I love to wear you know um, I, I want to go see the Barbie movie I want to have kids I want to um, learn to cook and bake and, and is that I mean at what point are we saying these things that you genuinely authentically like to do is not true because it's really just you know society telling you that's the role of a woman you know if you can go to college because I have a friend who is literally she is like she was like to John Hopkins. I mean, she's I mean, she's a surgeon and she's like absolutely one of the most powerhouse people. You I mean you can't deny that she's one of those people who just achieve. Mm -hmm. She also loves to bake. Love it. And she is probably the she probably owns more Lily Pulitzer mm -hmm. than anyone. I mean, she's just like, look, you're not going to tell me what a fe feminine woman is. I, I you don't get to put you and i think you know it's so interesting because the left creates more boxes right. and limitations than the than the than they've ever than the, they could actually credibly accuse the the right of doing yeah that's that's a really good point and and i think that if you if, if whatever career path you're trying to find be you mm -hmm. yeah i think leaning on your strengths would be the the advice that I would give, because I think like there's um, 
there's just whenever you're in a workplace i think i've noticed just in meetings whenever it's like a like mixed crowd of different people and ideas the things that you're going to bring to the table is something i can actually really help the workspace that you're in and exactly. vice versa and, and, and yeah. being a feminine embracing if, 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 if you really love girly things mm-hmm. and and you look through the lens of a very like girly girl way whatever that might be that's me yeah no that's great <laughs> mm-hmm. and if you want to be a mother embrace all of that and bring that to the table when you're pursuing your career allow that to inform your perspective allow it to make you smarter mm-hmm. and then contribute to a conversation with people who may not have experienced that you might have be at a table full of men who've never birthed a kid mm-hmm. well i have well i haven't but you know <laughs> but i'm saying you know or they don't understand from a woman's point of view embrace the fact that you're a woman and don't feel like you need to be more like a man in order to be um, compelling and to achieve. I I think that that's... um, Because I think as soon as you try to act like something that you're not, that's whenever it can actually get in the way of pursuing things. Like you said, be okay and confident in your interests while you pursue stuff. Yeah, and I think that modern feminism is like having this like weird, awkward moment where it's like, okay, it's not like the hard like pantsuit you're not gonna have kids and you're just wow aggressive hand movements you're not gonna have kids and you're just gonna like be a boss lady and you're gonna be a man and you're gonna dominate and then then it was like yeah we can do all that and have kids and do this but it was just such extremes and then it it kind of i feel like overshadowed the woman who's like well what if i just want to stay at home and raise babies like does that make me not a strong female like am i not a strong woman because i'm doing that it's like no, I think that being a stay-at-home mom is a very powerful position. It's incredibly important. But like, if you want to have a career on top of that, amazing. If you don't want to have kids and you want to focus on your career as a woman and you're girly, that's great. It's like, don't let the left stick you in one box or the other. Or tell you yeah. you're less than because, mm-hmm. you know, you didn't embrace some concept that would have taken you in a direction that wasn't what you envisioned for yourself. I think what you were saying about um, just having opportunities before you whenever you were younger. And I think like, because you mentioned that was something that was pretty inspiring to you is just to like be told, yes, you can. So that you can like, you can, yeah, I think having that choice aspect, which it seems like the, the feminist extreme or feminism went from being, let's allow for choices within your life to you have to choose this one set of choices. Yeah, I mean, I think the left puts women in in very extreme boxes. I think a, a strong, powerful woman is a woman who knows who she is. Oh, I like it. And is a woman who knows what she wants and whatever, you know, if it's pursue a life of, 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 of raising a family, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. If that's what you, if that's the, if that's the path that God puts you on, and that be strong in that and own that space and own your voice regardless of what job you take Mm -hmm. whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a lawmaker or a stay-at-home teacher or nurse just find own your space and own who you are and 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 be like you know god called me to this i'm embracing it and i'm going to have confidence in that and to me that's a strong woman i love it from the boss lady herself, Julie Warren, mic drop. (laughs) It's awesome. Well, it's been so amazing having you on the podcast. Um, Where can we follow you online? 
So, Right on Crime, um, it's www.rightoncrime.com. Um, I my Twitter is Jules J U L E S A Warren. Um, I, I I have to. I, you, ever, you know, how you just get on the app yeah. and you're like, I don't even know what my Twitter handle yeah, is yeah. anymore oh, because yeah. you're like, you know. Um, so yeah, that's where you. But I would really encourage people to look at Right on Crime, um, and really educate yourself as to a criminal justice system that has as an aspect of your government mm-hmm. that has a very direct impact on your life. Truly, that's a good point. Most of the time legislation like you can't tell like where it lands like oh they're just dealing with in DC but this trickle down is like you very feel it. very yeah, you feel you it. You feel it like the, I mean you're living in Austin. Yeah. I mean, you feel the the breakdown, mm-hmm. don't you? I mean, it makes you when you feel less safe going to the grocery store, it impacts you. Let's learn about, more about that's how we can fix good it. Good point. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode of the Sweet Tea Series. I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our incredible guest. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's been fun um, for sharing your valuable insight and all of your wisdom. Um, If you've enjoyed her perspective and want to stay updated on her work, be sure to follow her on Twitter at Jules. A Warren and learn about right learn more about right on crime at rightoncrime.com. Have a great rest of your day and we will see you next time. <laughs>